0: What's up my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today we're talking about design contests, but we're talking about the feedback. We're talking about the other side. We're talking about what do you do when the judges give you the feedback after the contest, after the round of the contest is over. We're talking to Daniel Frimgen, designer of Pie Town, a game that just came out from Renegade Games, getting uh, some pretty good reviews here and there. I saw uh, Sam Healy loved it and that's uh, my first introduction to the game. I'm excited to play it whenever I get back to the States here this summer. But Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Game. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, man. So this is something you wrote about. You had a good little blog post on Reddit that I'll, I'll link to in the show notes. And you're talking about how to take feedback after a design contest. What does that look like? What do you do? And you, you had some really cool insights on that. And then you talked through kind of what you did as far as with your personal game and kind of how you changed things and, and different things that you did. I want to talk about that in a little bit. But first of all, maybe people haven't heard of you. Maybe they haven't played PyTown Town yet. So give me, mm-hmm. give me your quick bio. Who are you? How would you get into game design? All that good stuff.
1: Yeah, my name's Daniel. I um, I got into hobby games probably in college with Catan and Ticket to Ride, just like everybody else. And um, it probably wasn't until after college that I got introduced to Puerto Rico, which led to Power Grid and then to Agricola. And it just was a slippery slope from there. And pretty soon I started noticing, you know, little systems and economies and thinking, oh, that'd be a pretty good game idea. And, of course, I went through a couple of game ideas that were really bad and really terrible and started actually to get decent at it and um, ended up with a game about a town just outside of San Diego called Julian that just makes apple pies. And that's what San Diego's go there for. So. I made a game about a town that just sells pies and that was Pie Town and Renegade got a hold of it and they published it and had a a good time with it and it's it's exciting to see your your first game, your first little baby out in the world. It's exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Now is the uh, the sequel coming up called Cake Town?
1: (laughs) No, I... So I'm not... I, I was not super involved in the pie versus cake drama that seemed to envelop the board game world. <laughs> okay. I just sort of fell into that. Yeah. But uh, but no, there's no cake town involved in my process. No, no, there gotcha. will be no, no
0: cake town. No parfait town, <laughs> no ice cream town, it's just, just pie town.
1: Just pie town. I have some like fun expansion ideas, but we'll see. It's <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if the world needs more pie town.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, congratulations on your game being published, man. That's awesome. And so I'm excited to talk to you today because you, you wrote a, again, going back to the blog post, it was interesting that, that, one, that you wrote a blog post at all. Like, there have been so many people that have gone through these contests, whether it's Cardboard Edison or all the different ones that go on every year. But you actually st- you know, stood back and said, I need to write about this. I, th- I feel like there's information that people need to hear uh, based on your experience. And so, first of all, give me, give me the reasoning. Like, when, when you sat down and you said, okay, I'm going to write this, why? Why did you feel like you needed to, to put that on the Internet for people to absorb this information?
1: Well, I learned a lot from uh, the subreddit tabletop game design and I've been pretty active there for a while. And I feel like whenever I learn a valuable lesson, I want to share that with that community because I learned so much through there. So uh, I had like posted my entry videos there and gotten good feedback and posted my sell sheets there and got good feedback. So I kind of wanted to give an example of how I use that feedback for a positive change. And this was interesting because I had a quantifiable like benefit from feedback that I could show people and basically say, this is my entry from 2017. It was a backpacking themed spatial strategy game that I really liked, but I got some good feedback on it and it didn't make it into the finalists for the Cardboard Edison award that year. And I took that feedback and was able to sort of parse out, okay, what's actionable? What is stuff that, you know, I can't really act on? What are some things that I feel like I've already resolved and maybe it didn't come through in the video? And From there, identified, okay, I can do these small little fixes in the rules to clarify a few things. And the big thing was that most people didn't like the theme because it didn't seem to fit with the mechanics as well. And I really liked the backpacking theme. I wanted that to work, but it wasn't working with the way the mechanics had evolved because as I had play tested and come up with new ideas, there were new things that I added in and things I took out and it eventually became a game that didn't really feel like a backpacking game at all. And I think the judges were right on that. So the hard part then was, okay, I have this game I like. I have a core spatial kind of theme. What do I do with that? And, came and ended up on Archaeology, which isn't as unique as Backpacking. There's a number of Archaeology games that are already out in the market, but it fit a lot better. It was this idea of You're picking up supplies as you go and you have to spend these supplies to reach far off locations And sometimes there are cursed relics that can, you know, take up space in your backpack and you're not holding Treasure that is going to take up space and even though you need those treasures to get points at the end it's just it just worked a lot better with describing and sort of giving good affordances to how these mechanics were being used and that was a really good progression and that game was acquisition expeditions that I sent to in 2018 for cardboard Edison and it was a finalist. So it was something that I took feedback from one award and Improved my game and was able to show that it genuinely was improved because it actually did better in the competition the next year And I, I was really proud of that and I was really excited to see the see the progression on that.
0: Gotcha. So part of the blog post was just being able to show people, hey, here's the kind of arc of the game and how it's changed and how it's evolved, and just wanting to share that with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. But then you also shared some really interesting insight on like how to take feedback from these design contests and how to use them, uh, you know, to make your game better. But first of all, let's talk about why is that important. Like, what is what is so important about that concept?
1: Yeah, because. Even like whenever you're getting any sort of feedback, whether that's on a contest or just play testing or um, anything, you want to be able to very accurately parse out what is stuff that you can act on? What are things that are actually accurate? What are things that, you know, are a person's opinion and maybe just, you know, their personal tastes on a game and being able to translate people's feedback and being able to parse out what's useful information is a skill of game design that you kind of have to develop over time. And, um, all the feedback that i got was generally pretty positive but there were a couple of points where i was like oh, well somebody one one major complaint a judge had was an issue with the components that i kind of already solved in an updated prototype but that wasn't the prototype that was on camera so they noticed that and even though i had already had a solution to that problem they dinged me for that and that that's totally their job as a judge to you know make sure they find these faults and i that was one piece of feedback that i was like okay I've dealt with this. I, I'm Their concerns are dealt with. That's fine. But there are also concerns of, you know, when multiple judges or multiple people give you the same feedback over and over, that's stuff you need to listen to. Yeah, so sure. when I had almost every single judge say, theme doesn't fit, I needed to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's so much value in taking. And this is similar to like the scientific method, right? Mm-hmm. You you don't just do an experiment one time and go, "Oh, here's our answer." No, you do the thing over and over and over and over again, and you find the consistencies, you find the commonalities between the experiments. You go, "Okay, here is the truth. Here is what we know for sure." And I think it's the same kind of thing with these kind of contests, especially in cardboard Edison, where you have so many judges that look at your game or you know look at your rule book or your uh, your overview video, whatever it is. And so if you have multiple, even if it's just two. Like in this in this kind of a small sample size even if you have just two people say hey have you th- have you noticed this this seems wrong this theme doesn't line up with the mechanics or this component doesn't quite do what you want it to whatever you really need to listen to that because that is that is kind of multiple you know people coming in with the same thing and so but let's talk about expectations like what, mm. what should be a person's expectations going into a design contest as far as the feedback is concerned
1: Yeah, whether it's a design contest or sort of an unpublished prototype event, your goal should always be to make your game better. And winning a contest, placing a contest, getting publicity from that contest, those are all bonuses. But your main goal should be to make your game better. And you're going to be getting a lot of feedback that you can use as fuel for that. You kind of have to set the spark to actually like take that fuel and make something of it. Um, And I think that You know, winning a contest is great. Like a lot of people end up getting published games out of that, but a lot of people who do really well in contests don't always get their games published, or people who um, get really good feedback sometimes, you know, you can't do anything with that feedback, or maybe the feedback isn't specific enough. But the goal should be to try to take that feedback and make a quantifiable improvement in your game.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that should really be your mindset going in. It's it's not even necessarily oh I want to win because I mean. The winning really is the feedback that is what you win and i know from my own contest uh, you know i have like a cash prize i don't know if i'm going to do that again i think that was something i wanted to do just to kind of test the waters and see but i've had so many people say well I, it's not about the money i don't care if i you know i don't care if i make 50 bucks it's about the feedback it's <laughs> about having you know, this opportunity to one get the game done like you know in this kind of mother-in-law so to speak motivator of getting the game finished or get to a place where you can do the sell sheet or the rule book video or whatever it is and so you know winning is one thing, but i feel like the real win is the feedback that you receive. and so it's so important not to have some kind of crazy expectation going in either. i feel like some people go in thinking, "oh, these people are going to help me develop my game." like no, they're not developers. they're they're not really, you know, it's not that's not their role. they're just going to give you a a third party outside, you know, outsider looking in viewpoint of things that they see, things that they notice. and because more than likely they're a game designer themselves or a game publisher or somebody that really knows what they're talking about, we should listen to their advice and their opinions because They've been doing this for a while, more than likely, especially you know, in the case of the, the contest I'm running right now. I mean, they're, they're all publishers. All these people that are judging your sell sheets and your pitches and all that stuff, they listen to this stuff all day, every day. This is what they do. And so when they come back to you with some feedback, it's not just some random person I found on the street. Now, these are like real professional people. And so I think it's so important to go in with the expectation of learning and listening and, and, and go in to understand as opposed to trying to make yourself understood, that, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, understanding the source of the feedback is another huge element of that. Knowing, you know, if your playtester is somebody who, you know, they love Euro-style games and you're playtesting a party game with them, that's going to change their feedback and change how you take their feedback and what you do with that feedback. Um, And knowing who you, you know, is giving you the feedback as part of that, and knowing that these people are publishers and professionals, then you take that feedback more seriously. You really try to analyze that, and you really take that to heart, um, because even if they have personal biases or they have their preferences, um, it's still that they have their finger to the pulse of the market and the community. And you know that it may be that you know they may personally not like your theme or may personally not like that style of game, but they may be giving you that feedback because they know that. A lot of people are like them. Maybe a lot of people won't like this theme or won't like this style of game. Uh, and but it's hard to like make those judgment calls and make those uh, sort of sort of parse out those differences. It's it's difficult, but it's something that you kind of have to do.
0: Yeah, now do you have any advice for someone? Because maybe they get some feedback, and it is from a judge, who really hates this particular genre that your game is. And maybe it was just bad luck that that's the judge that got you know your game or, or got your uh, pitch or whatever it was. Any advice on how to kind of take things with a grain of salt so you don't just kind of jump off the deep end and go, oh, well, they hated it, this must be a terrible game, and then you throw it away, and just kind of maybe taking a step back and just kind of going, okay, I see what you're saying, but...
1: Yeah, I mean th- I, this probably falls into the category of any sort of feedback, whether that's feedback from a judge, a playtester, or a reviewer for a published game like not every game is for everybody. And there are people who are just not going to like it for personal reasons, for their preferences, like and that's okay. We have a really big and broad hobby that can encompass a lot of little niche like preferences, and that's okay um it may be that you're not building a mass market game and maybe you're trying to build a game for a specific niche of people and that person giving you feedback it may not be for them and even if it is like that they're part of that audience like they just may not like it and that's that's okay like if 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 you let people kind of drag you for you know their uh, For just their opinion, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion. They may think your game is garbage, and that's okay. And <laughs> not everybody is going to love your game. Even Gloomhaven has a couple of, like, genuine 2 out of 10 reviews because people just didn't like it. And that's okay. And it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make your game bad. It just means that people didn't like it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's about finding that place in the middle where you can actually just kind of look at something objectively and go, okay, why is that person saying what they're saying? Because it's on both ends, right? If you make a train game and one of the judges, one of the people in the contest loves train games... They might overlook some things because they love the theme. They love what you were trying to do. And even if you didn't quite pull it off, they kind of look past that. Where you might have another side where someone says, I hate train games. I wish there were never more train games ever made ever. And so they just like hone in on all the things you did wrong. And so, But you have to find that place in the middle that kind of looks at, okay, what's your bias? What's, what do you love? All these things. And go, okay, what's the truth? And I think that's really the hard thing. It's figuring out what the real truth of the feedback is that's actionable and you can actually take and move forward. And so talk to me about kind of your your process that you took the feedback and you said, okay, this is the actionable stuff. And so you took it forward. Like, what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So if people spent more than a sentence going into detail on something, it probably meant that they were pretty certain about that feedback. Mm. If they kind of just briefly mentioned something and it's only one judge, it's not mentioned by any other person. You know, that may be a personal preference thing. If you're getting consistent feedback, multiple people, or people are spending a lot of time telling you, um, they may not be very, you know, it may be that they find something too complex and they may be trying to figure out for you why that was too complex for them. But, you know, it may just be that it just came off as too complex and it's up to you to figure out, okay, how do I, you know, present this in a way that makes more sense or is more clear or try to refine it. So it's a little simpler or maybe you need it to be that complex and that's just the style of game it is but um yeah so sort of filtering out you know if it's coming up multiple times if people are spending a lot of time talking about it if um if it's something that you kind of had an inkling yourself but you weren't quite sure it's kind of good to know your game's faults like you know your game better than anybody else you should kind of know like all right well maybe this mechanic doesn't make sense in the theme or maybe this um particular like component of the game is going to be really expensive to make and kind of knowing your faults ahead of time is going to like if you get affirming feedback on those things that you've kind of already identified then that's something you may may need to take more seriously or if it's something that you've never thought of before maybe it's something that just completely comes out of left field and maybe you just need to sort of re double down and focus on this one element you never thought of before and that's okay and and sometimes you don't know who your feedback person is sometimes judges will give anonymous feedback and sometimes uh like blind play testers you may not know much about them um and trying to and and trying to not try to assume biases um if you judge people and assume that they're gonna like oh well that person's like a heavier game player they're not gonna like this party game well maybe you know if you want a party game to be popular you got to be able to bring a lot of people in, you may need to make it so that your gamer really likes it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and you bring up a really interesting point is that you as the designer probably have a good idea about what's wrong with the game. Even if you don't think it's a big deal or you're like, "Okay, I think this might be an issue, but it's probably okay, people will see past it." Well, more than likely when the, when it gets judged, those faults are going to be turned up to 11 for people who aren't as close to the game as you are. I know with my own with the the Capes, the uh, the superhero game that that was a finalist in the Edison Award this year. I felt like, especially after doing some blind playtesting with with people I know, Bond playtesting with people I know. I don't know if that's possible. Anyway, some playtesting <laughs> with people I know. Uh, and I just kind of let them set up the game. I said, here's the game. Here's the rule book. You figure it out. I'm just going to watch. And I noticed in the setup, it took a little while. And I thought, man, I feel like my setup that time just takes a little bit too long. But I don't, I don't know if that's Ah, I don't know. I had this like weird feeling about it. Well, two of the judges, two or three, said setup time takes too long. Okay, cool. Well, that that affirms it. Yeah, that's a problem. And so that was really mm-hmm. good that I, I had this idea. I was like, gosh, I feel like this might be a problem. And then the judges were like, yep, that's a problem. Okay, cool. Now how do I fix it? Now I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to fix it. And I think actually that thinking about it, another good thing to think about with the expectations is you shouldn't necessarily expect the judges to fix your game, right? That's mm-hmm. not necessarily their job. That's not even what playtesters or de- or developers do. They 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 ask questions. They say, hey. Why is it like this? What is wrong with this part? Why is this so complex? Why why does the game do this during the last third of it? Why is the scoring system like this? It's their job to ask questions and to point out things that they don't like and that are wrong. It's your job as a designer to figure out the answers and to figure out how to fix those things. And so don't go into it expecting them to fix your game. That's not their job. That's your job.
1: Yeah, and it's in addition to – even if people give you specific feedback of suggestions or ideas about how to fix it – they're trying to they can see the problem but you're probably better equipped to find the answer yeah. and that applies with playtesting and everybody but also sometimes judges will give you super big generic feedback that on the surface level is just not helpful at all if right. somebody's like i like the theme okay <laughs> what do you not like about the theme uh, and, and maybe that that's all the feedback you're going to get but and and sort of like but if you get That sort of vague, generic feedback that you just don't really know what to do with. Sometimes you just kind of have to let it sit and let it, you know, and just sort of take that as like a sort of this Gestaltian overhead view of like, okay, I had somebody say that they didn't like the theme and try to get into this mindset of like, okay, there are people out there who are going to look at this and they're only words are going to be, I don't like the theme, and they're going to pass it on the shelf and walk on to another game. And sometimes it may not be super obvious right then and there why that's the case or what to do about that. But even if something seems unhelpful, it's good to sort of like, you know, record it, write it down, store it away, and sort of dwell on it and try to figure out, okay, well maybe somewhere down the line I'll kind of get a better idea what to do with this
0: yeah definitely now there have been times in the in the past and with the past two edison awards uh, that people have said hey here's my feedback and they've given me a few sentences and then they say if you want to know more if you'd like to talk more Please send me an email. We can, and I'll go into more detail, and I'll talk to you more about this and that kind of thing. Now, what would be your advice as far as contacting somebody if they don't say that? Now, if they say, "Hey, contact me if you want to know more," that's them opening the door. But what about like sending somebody a private message on Twitter, be like, "Hey, why'd you hate my game? What's wrong with you?" Like, you know. (laughs) And obviously, wouldn't take that approach. Hopefully, but what's your advice as far as like contacting judges after the fact? Just try to get a clarification or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like kind of general social rules apply. You don't want to treat people on the internet any different how you would treat them in real life. And if if people didn't in openly invite you to conversation, don't just assume that because they played your game that you have that invitation inherently. Um, you can maybe just start off a conversation by saying, hey, thank you for the feedback. I really appreciate it. And I this was really helpful. Um, and just even just that opening of saying, thank you. If they want to talk more about it, they may follow up. And sort of, you know, there's that implicit beginning of a conversation that you can work with from there. Um, of course, if somebody gives you that opportunity and invites you to open up a conversation, you know, email me, follow me on Twitter talk to me more about this. And great. Go for that. Um, but I just, you know, be courteous, um, be uh, respectful and, and, and definitely don't expect that people are going to give you any more time than they've, they've already. If they've played your game, they've given you a lot of their time and they can't get that time back and especially if it was a bad experience for them like you've already cost them an hour of their life that they can't get back and they're bitter about that and but but it's and and so it may be that you know just say thank you sorry if you didn't like it but i really appreciate the feedback and if they want to talk more they can talk more
0: yeah i agree i will say this though if someone opens the door if they offer and they say hey please email me if you want to chat on you know, if you want to get on Skype and talk about it or if you want to email back and forth, I highly recommend you do that. Like, If someone opens that door and they're a publisher or a game designer or somebody that really knows what they're talking about and they say, hey, if you want to know more and want more clarification, please do that. Like, That is someone literally saying, I will give you free feedback and free advice and free ideas on different things. All you have to do is send me an email or get on Skype and, and talk about it. I've had really good success with that in the past where people have, have opened that door and I say, heck yeah, when do you want to schedule that? Can we do it Monday? Can we do it right now? How about right now? Do right now go for you? Like, let's go ahead and talk through this stuff because that's the way a game gets better. And if you can find somebody who knows more than you, especially someone who's designed a bunch of games or been in the industry for a long time, take advantage of that that is someone literally trying to to make you better as a designer and make your game better and so yeah don't don't let that pass you by. don't don't feel awkward about it don't be like oh i don't need to be weird no who cares be awkward be weird whatever just make your game better and if this is this is a great way uh, to do that all right, so let's go back into your personal experience. I want to hear a little bit more about just kind of how you, you know, because again, you, you had the contest last year. It didn't make it to the finals. Mm-hmm. You got good feedback, good ideas, mm-hmm. good things to change, right? And then you drastically rethemed your game. Like you went through a big overhaul, entered it into the Corporate Edison Award this year, and you were a finalist, which congratulations on that. And Thank so, you. kind of walk me through just the general process of you going, okay, here's the feedback, here's my game now what? What do I do? What does this look like? If you And if you could get like just a little bit more specific with some things, that'd be great.
1: Mm. Yeah. So it's funny because it's not just specifically what I did with that game, but specifically what I did with other things as well, because I had actually entered three games into the 2017 contest. And I had sort of a ranking in my head of which one I thought was the best. And the one that I thought was the best actually got the worst feedback <laughs> and then the game that became acquisition expedition was like kind of I thought was second tier but that was the when that got the most consistent good feedback so right away that sort of reordered my priorities I have like I have a kid now <laughs> and I have a real job that I just spend a lot of time at so I have a very limited time budget so being able to get feedback on okay what do I spend my time on and what's worth investing my time in is yeah. very very important. So that's like the first step. The first step is that change in priorities. Okay, what am I going to focus on next? And that feedback was instrumental in making that decision of like, okay, these other two projects I like a lot and I may go back to them another day, but right now my time is going to be better spent on this one because that's where not not just like the good feedback was, but the most actionable feedback. The feedback that I could look at and say, okay, the Couple things that came up mechanically. Those are like rule fixes that I can kind of play test and work out. The theme thing, that may be difficult, but I can make that work. So once I sort of had a game plan in mind of okay, with this feedback, I'm gonna work on this game and I'm gonna try to get this thing done. And sort of planning out ahead the, you know, my plan of action of what to do with this. Um, that was the first really important step. Then once you know you need to retheme something, I mean, you could probably do a couple of podcast episodes on trying to retheme a game. Yeah. And I think, actually, did you already? You might already have.
0: I don't know. I've done a couple on theme in general, but I don't know if yeah. I've ever ever done one about retheming. I think it's come up a few yeah. times, but it's never been like a specific. That's a really good idea. Hopefully, coming Dude. down the road.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> one more one more podcast idea because, yeah, yeah and that that just takes time of like kind of like going through ideas of like setting and what do the mechanics sort of like. Uh, um, imply because I had the backpacking theme, so I kind of thought, okay, the mechanics are really like spatially focused. It's about packing a backpack, and it was sort of from there thinking, okay, what setting involves packing a backpack? Get like spending things out of your backpack, adding things to your backpack, and that was kind of the core mechanism that I really couldn't change and that I really wanted to keep in there. And I needed to find a setting that that fit really well, so. It took a while to sort of like settle on archaeology. But when I did, it was actually kind of the idea of like taking things because in the in the game, you sort of spend your resource and you get something that's going to give you points. But that takes up space in your backpack, which means that you have less space to hold the resources to get more points. And that's sort of the arc of the game. And the idea of taking things from like the wilderness in a backpacking game. Didn't didn't really make sense. I'm an Eagle Scout. I it's don't want to encourage upon, people right? to like. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be telling people, yeah, just take a squirrel with you. That's fine. No, it's like <laughs> I don't want to encourage that. Yeah. But even with archaeology, I didn't want to encourage people to be like this idea of. I found this ruin and I'm taking the treasure because that's like the old-school colonial sort of style of archaeology where Their idea of preservation was we need to take it out of the dangerous place and into our place because we'll take care of it and that was not a very like, you know, sensitive and or a very like Culturally appropriate way to deal with archaeology at the time, but that's just what they did and um, and so I didn't want to, like, I don't know, do I want to theme it in this very, like, old school colonial style ar- archaeology? And I, I ended up sort of rewriting sort of the flavor text intro to the rule book to basically make it, all right, your local, you know, archaeologists who this is your country and you are trying to recover these relics before they end up on the black market. And um, I wanted to try to make sure that that theme was, you know, I wasn't just even going to imply that sort of, like, problematic old school style archaeology. And I wanted to address that head on. So that was actually something that like I kind of had to struggle with for a while, because in, in addition to finding a theme that fit thematically, I wanted a theme that I wanted to be behind and that I wanted to present to people and be proud of. So trying to even like make sure that the flavor text and how the rule book was written was presented in a way that didn't make light of previous sins of culture was that was something I had to deal with. And that was like that was a good couple weeks of like wrestling. But I'm really glad I did that. Even though it was design time that I can't get back, I'm really glad I did that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I think that's just a great... Story about how you can take feedback from a contest and turn it into something positive that makes your game grow, or even if it doesn't, even if it's just making you as a designer grow. because you know, we're playing the long game here, folks. I mean, hopefully you're not in this thing. I'm going to make one game. That's all I'm ever going to do. Like maybe that's and that's cool if that's what you want to do. But I'm hoping that you want to turn this into something that that is a, a many year hobby or, or even a, a business. That, you know, a lot of a lot of you want to get into. I've sent I've had so many people send me emails and say, you know, I really want to become a designer. Well, that's different than I really want to make a game. Those are two very different things. and I think these contests can help with just absorbing feedback, learning the skill of how to discern, okay, what are they saying here? How do I actually make this actionable? What do I do to turn it into something real? I know with with my own experience with with capes is I got some really interesting feedback. Some of it I was like, man, I do not agree with that. I don't think you played the game correctly, but what does that tell me? That tells me my rule book was not written correctly. That's what it tells me, is that, that I did not present the rules in a, in a way that helped the players. When me not on you know not at the table, it helped them play well. Okay, that's, that's a great thing to learn for a game and as a designer. Or there's some people that said, you know, this was really thematic and I liked it a lot. Okay, what does that tell me? It doesn't tell me much, right? I'm glad you liked it, but how, okay, what does that mean? And I got some other feedback that said, that this game wasn't thematic at all. Uh, okay, so now I've got these off, you know, differing opinions of things. Okay, what do I do? but it's about absorbing these things and learning it's no different than being a, a, in college right and you've got a professor and he and he tells you something and you're like gosh I don't know that that's true but he knows a lot more than I do and so then you t- you start absorbing the feedback you start really thinking through why did he say that what was he really thinking what was the bigger picture how do I grow how do I get better and again, we're talking about a game design contest here, which is kind of funny, is it, you know, we're, <laughs> we're expanding out the stakes of the, of the stuff, so to speak. But I feel like it's just a really good way to grow as, as a designer. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a, a game challenge of, of my own for the BGDL is to give people one motivation, but two, just to offer more opportunities just to grow as as designers. And so hopefully uh, you're you're doing that. I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this, find those awards, find those contests every year. They're they're coming around every single year, and so get ready for them and submit your game. Don't don't feel awkward. Don't feel um, what's what's the right word? Don't feel afraid. I guess is the best way way to put it. Don't be scared. Like put put your game out there. It's gonna get uh, eaten alive, and that's a good thing because that's how we grow and how we get better as designers. Just like Daniel was was talking about right here, and his game has gone from okay to much better because of this whole process.
1: Yeah, and it's it's still not in a state that I don't think it's like it's not perfect. It's not it's not finished yet. There's still work to be done. I still have feedback from judges that I want to work on. And I've been working on this game for like a couple of years now. And I've made games since then that I like am really proud of. And your first game that you make is going to not be very good. The first game that you like put in front of a publisher, you're probably going to be embarrassed by. The first game that gets published is probably going to be your worst reviewed game that you ever publish. And then there's just this never ending trajectory of the you will always look back on your previous works and think "Ooh, wow that was uh. <laughs> and that's that's a natural arc of any sort of progression in a skill or a talent that you're trying to work on and you know a design contest is something that is going to you know sort of give you an accelerant that's going to sort of put a light light a fire under you to get you to, you know, meet deadlines, get stuff done. And even if that's as simple as like, I just need to finish this project. Your expectation is just that, like, I just need to finish this. That's a good, healthy expectation to just say, all right, I'm going to enter this design contest because I just want to finish this. Or you just like, I want to get this in front of people and I want to get feedback. And you know, the idea of free play testing is super valuable like just even getting into a finalist spot of like getting a bunch of free playtesting that is worth its weight in gold and that is a very worthwhile goal and then that doesn't even bring in winning or placement into it it's just you know there are super valuable uh, things that you can get out of these experiences beyond just winning yeah
0: yeah, definitely. Totally agree. It's it's really about the skills that you're gaining as a designer more than making a better game. I think it's just again playing the playing the long game with your career mm-hmm. as a designer, so to speak. Well, Daniel, this has been awesome. And you have any kind of closing advice, closing thoughts for people that are in a design contest maybe right now or you know getting ready for feedback <laughs> or expectations or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean I would say have fun. Like if if if, if you're if you are working hard to sort of get into a contest like enjoy the work. If you feel like you're just, you know, you're miserable doing it, take a break. It's okay. You can come back to projects later. If you're not going to be ready in time, that's okay. You can come back to it later. Uh, if you know that you are putting very high expectations on yourself, then just sort of take a step back, remind ourselves that we're grown adults making games with (laughs) paper and plastic and just sort of remind yourself, okay, the This is this is a fun hobby. I'm not going to put all my hopes and expectations and what this could afford me in life and just sort of, you know, relax, have fun. This is supposed to be, you know, this 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 hobby is can be really competitive market wise, but there's no reason why it needs to be a like an emotional beat down to sort of try to get a game published. Like, relax, have fun. These are games. That's what they're supposed to be here for. We're supposed to have fun with this. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. And kind of go along with what you just said. Don't put your value in winning one of these contests, like your value as a person. like You are much more than a contest. You are much more than winning a design contest based on other people's opinions and their subjectivity. So don't let your identity get wrapped up into it. Just see it as a really good way to grow and to get better. But again, Daniel, man, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Good luck with uh, whatever Pie Town expansions, the Key Lime expansion, the, <laughs> the Cherry expansion, I don't know whatever you're doing, man, over there with Renegade. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what you have coming down the road. But, yeah, good luck with that and good luck with everything else you got going on right now.
1: Cool. Thanks so much, Gabe. We really appreciate it.